Hey, welcome back to Judging Bouncing Balls. Jeremy, joined with Toby. Um, we are uh, coming at you with another episode today. Toby, how you doing? Not bad. Not bad. Coming off a big weekend in Indianapolis, chasing dreams. Yes, that was, uh, it was quite the trip down. Um, weather was a little chilly, but overall, good trip. Everybody made it back safe. That's the most important part. No injuries. So that's uh, even better. But yeah, it's a good time down in Indianapolis or Westfield, uh, Indiana, just north of Indianapolis. Quite the complex down there. Yeah, beautiful complex uh, showcase. If you if you don't mind me saying, uh, lots of lots of action. You know, everybody's so bundled up. We didn't know we didn't know who was watching our games. I mean, it could have. I mean, was, I bet you it was some top talent. Top, I mean, I saw some Lear Jets land at the Westfield Airport and figured probably came over right. by us. It's hard to tell with all the uh, the cold weather gear, but yeah, I mean. I'm sure there was some somebody there from a huge soccer school, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so this complex uh, is pretty pretty amazing. It's uh, three full size indoor fields, uh, and then they have what? They have 50, 50 other fields. Uh, Thirty one soccer fields. Twenty good dogs barking. Twenty six ball diamonds, and a three hundred seventy thousand square foot uh, indoor facility. Nice. Yeah, the the dog just knew he he was quiet yeah. all the time for you all and the I. Time like he's been sleeping all day, and I think my daughter's home, and so he, he heard got. my voice, and he was like, "Man, <laughs> that guy's awful." I'm gonna start barking. <laughs> It'll be done in a minute once my daughter gets in the house. But um, yeah, we did not get to play indoors. That was. I wish we would. Yeah, that was that wasn't for us. So it was reserved for the uh, the older teams. Uh, and so, yeah, we did not uh, get to, unfortunately. But it was still a good a good tournament. We did have one of our games snowed out. It was rain, it was snowing so hard. Uh, but, hey, what are you going to do? That's, that's yeah. the way life goes. Just keep playing. So tonight we wanted to, to talk about a different topic and one that we've been kicking around, and that is the, the multi-sport athlete. Can it exist? And, uh, you know, what are all the things that entail with that? How do more, is it possible even for multi-sport athletes to exist in today's world with clubs and high schools? Um, and that's that's really what we want to talk about. There's some interesting topics on it. We have our opinions and our biases, uh, but we want to talk about it. And I think this is going to stir up some conversation amongst the, the, uh, the listeners as well, because this is a, a contested topic when we talk about it amongst parents as well, and coaches uh, for that matter, either in the high school world or in the club world. So Thoughts off the bat uh, as we dive into this topic, Toby. Well, this is where you read a lot about these athletes, these pros now, and they talk about, like Christian McCaffrey brought it up the other day, how he played four sports. He'd never uh, trained outside of the sport because he was always active in a sport. And I think that is um, a great thought. I think coaches talk about we want kids to play multi-sports because they talk about muscles, they talk about movement and uh, building strength that way. But what I've seen is when you really dig into it, the multi-sport athlete doesn't exist in a way that people think it would. I think mm-hmm. when you step on toes, uh, if you play one sport and it leaks into another, um, it, it, it doesn't work because everybody's everybody, – I always say everybody thinks you should be a two-sport athlete until you step on their toes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's easy to say, and, you know, so many coaches – say it they all yeah we're, we want multi-sport athletes we want this but when it when the when the rubber really hits the road 
it, it can be really challenging and you start to get coaches that maybe aren't so crazy about uh, uh, two, two sport athletes or three sport athletes or four sport athletes as, as they would say. Um, and I, I, I just want to throw some things out here for our, our conversation. I found an article uh, that broke down some statistics on multi-sport athletes. And I thought it was kind of interesting actually, because it, it kind of ran against some of the beliefs that I had. And then it also just is some interesting things to ponder. So one of the things I thought was most interesting is that certain sports have multi-sport athletes, but other sports don't. And so when you look at the data, this was from the NCAA, here's the sports that typically had, uh, did not have multi-sport athletes. Some make sense. Gymnastics, 87% of, of women gymnastics were specialized by the age of 12. Men's women, men and women's soccer were both specialized by the age of 12, 68% of men and 62% of women. And then 61, 66% of men's tennis players and 71% of women's tennis players specialized by the age of 12. And then you had 55% of men's ice hockey players were specialized by the age of 12. So in those sports, specialization actually was the norm. And so you, to be competitive, you actually had to specialize. But then if you compared it with sports that didn't specialize, Football was one where they had 71% of all football players were multi-sport athletes, 88% of all men and women who played lacrosse, 83% of women, 88 of men, and then 87% of female runners and 91% of male runners were multi-sport athletes. So it's really interesting when you start thinking about like there's certain sports that multi-sport really makes a lot of sense for, and then there's some sports where it may not make a lot of sense for, which was surprising to me when I, uh, I read that. I, what, as I throw those tons of numbers at you, what are your initial takeaways? Well, the initial takeaway, I think, is, is if you take football. Football is a sport that doesn't have club, I mean, at least around here. So you play high school football, which is locked into a time frame two, three weeks before summer lets out or before you, you know, summer's over for school, and then state. So right mm -hmm. now, football's over with. Like, there's no leakage of practice um, until next summer, um, you know, where you start to do tennis, hockey, soccer. And I think gymnastics is one where they – gymnastics is year-round. I mean, my neighbor did, did gymnastics. I think she was three hours a day um, or 15 to 18 hours a week in the gym working on gymnastics right. year-round. Um, soccer is one that we're learning about. They're now we're indoor. We never had indoor facilities when I was growing up. So you you played summer, and then you might play fall. You played school three years. feet of snow. <laughs> exactly, but you never that never translated beyond that. Um, right. Track is one that is very. You don't have club track, and I think that our topic is going to go into club for club sports versus high school sports. But you're talking about specialized sports that really have a time frame. Yeah. So I think if you play football track, which most kids did, because the football coach wanted you to stay in shape in the off season, two sports, multi-sport athlete. But you you start to sprinkle in some of these lengthier sports through clubs, and that's where I think it gets really hairy. Because nowadays, and I don't like it, but some people talk about high school sports. Nobody's recruiting high school sports anymore because they fall mm -hmm. within the college season, or that college coaches don't travel anymore or they don't, you know, at some, at basketball and football, I think they do, but you know, our 
D1 college soccer coaches flying all over the country to watch high school. I'm told they're not. They're doing the college showcases, the big-time college showcases in Florida and Texas where, I mean, if you look where our team has been promoted, now we have an opportunity to play in Texas. So if I'm a college coach, I go there and I watch all the games, see the top talent in in one trip. Right. So I think – Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, so if you start to break down the two-sport athlete in clubs, so if you play two different clubs, you play a soccer club and then you play a, let's say, a softball club. I mean, it's year-round commitment now. So are you really messing with the with everything on it? Like you look at basketball, AAU. I mean, that turned into now we have girls in our soccer team that are done playing soccer and they have – transition to basketball right away and AAU takes them through April, maybe May, if I'm right. Sometimes through the summer. Sometimes through the summer. And then you play summer ball. So where is the two sport athlete? If you want to do club, it's kind of almost impossible without saying I I want, like you're my one and then you're my two. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think that's really the, the the point is when you start thinking about the commitment and when some of these clubs are, the, the higher you get in the club level, the harder it is, like the more you have to put into it, the more talented you have to become to stay competitive in that team. And then the other side, I can understand why some of these coaches, college coaches go to showcases rather than go to high school games, because let's face it, if you go to a high school game, I just think about where, I, I'm, where I'm at and in Stephen's point, if you come to our high school game, let's just assume you have one, really good player maybe you have two right whereas if i go to a showcase everybody that's on that team is probably really good and so because they're recruited and so they're 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 all a a, a, a group of players that are really talented you can knock out and not only that's the one team and then you're playing against another team it's probably the same way they can see 10 prospects rather than one or two prospects and so it I understand it from that perspective, like why the why co- college coaches are focusing more on clubs, because high schools can't generally, <laughs> you know, recruit players and then build teams that are all really good players. Some of the private schools get away with it. I get that. But for the most part, high schools are still just, you know, your community competing against another community. And, you know, just in our club, you look at it, there's people from multiple communities brought together in, in one unit that can then go play other other clubs form the same exact way. So I I get it from the college recruiting perspective why some of this happens. And then there's that push to be be good all year and, and to make sure you're you're working at it all year. Yeah, you know, I think you can break down two sport athletes into three sections. You know, there's club versus club, club versus high school, and then high school versus high school. So I think the biggest gray area is club versus high school. Because most kids are still high school orientated. So playing for your high school is still a big honor. Uh, wearing your, you know, your school crests, your school colors, but then you throw in the club aspect. So this is where we ran into an issue, not for our first time, Macy playing club soccer and then playing club volleyball. And it's really kind of a juggling match because you're trying to figure out you know, which one you can get away with a little more. Um, this one, the the soccer, she had been on, you know, the team for quite a while. So 
the soccer coach is very lenient and kind of let her, you know, as long as she attendance at the practices when she did, where the volleyball was a lot more. I mean, they had 40 kids go out and kept 13 or something. So there was a strict line there that if you're going to be on the volleyball team, you had to be at practice or you sit, you sit games. And Mm -hmm. um, not that we wanted to take advantage of either one, but it just, it became a lot to try to figure out how to maneuver uh, through that scenario. And I think that's where a lot of kids today, you almost have to give up one. And it's just, it's, I don't, I think there's got to be a way to work through that because you can't have kids not playing high school ball. Yeah. And I, I, I'll echo exactly that same sentiment because we, we ran into the same thing and it was a real, it was just, it was a challenge because you want your kid to be able to play for a high school, play for their community. Cause I agree with you. I think there's an honor in that, but it's, it, it makes it hard when the demands of the club sport become so heavy that they are, they, they conflict basically with the, with the, the practice times, the, the events of the high school. And so that's where it really becomes a challenge. And we definitely ran into the same thing. And, you know, just like you, we were presented with a situation where we ended up having to miss some of her high school sports for the club. And that was her choice, but it's just, it makes it really hard that it's, that it has to even be that way. And like I said, I understand it. It's just, there's there's something that you have to really consider if you're going to go into a high level club sport. Um, the demands right now to stay competitive mean that you can't just have, you know, you can't just practice once every week on a Sunday and and figure it out. But it, you know, it it makes you have to make some of those choices, and so naturally people start eliminating some of the sports they participate in. I think. Well, I think right now. Club soccer takes a break for the U15, U16, U17, U18 girls. They did it. The boys did it in fall. Now we'll do it in spring. So we go back and play high school. The club actually doesn't play. Like, we won't play until June 23rd for regionals. Right. So that's nice. But what I'm hearing is there's clubs in the big cities that are starting to demand, hey, if you want to play at our top level, and that's a national team, we practice year round that high school doesn't exist. And that's where I think we're going to in a sports society is these clubs are demanding full-time practicing games and they're not giving that option of high school. And, and to me, I I would rather not see it, but I think in five years, you're going to see top players playing club only. Yeah. And I would agree with that. I mean, I, I, the only experience I've had with that so far is we had a, uh, national athlete at, at our high school and she just graduated last year. And I mean, she was busy. There were there, you know, there was one weekend she's in Boston participating in an F and she was a track star and she was participating there. And then she goes to, you know, um, California or where, wherever it is, right. She's jet setting all over the place because she's talented enough to compete at a very national level. And she would come back and participate in events occasionally, but Man, I, I, to your point, I just thought about it. I'm like, man, if she participated all the time, we'd never lose, <laughs> right? We'd, we'd never right. lose a race because, and then when she did participate at state, we're at state where everybody's the, the best of the best. I mean, she won by like a lap. I mean, she just crushed everybody because she was so good. And it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're in awe at the talent, but then at the flip side, you're like, 
yeah, I can see why she didn't participate in some of the events because like, what's the point, right? She's trying to get to a level that's way beyond high school. She's trying to go up and challenge herself. And so I, I get it. Like, I understand why she chose not to. It makes total sense. And, and I know what you're saying. It, that leads to potentially your best players just saying, yeah, high school is probably not where I want to be because that's not the best level of competition. Well, and I get, you know, you're talking, if you talk 1%, like that young lady who is winning everything nationally, she's going to go probably big time college. She probably is going to get quite a bit of her college paid for. Like to her, I, I absolutely understand right. getting out there and chasing a dream, but it's the next 20%. Um, yeah. You know, and this goes back to our topic of promises. I think people, people think and they hear stuff about their, their son, daughter, or even themselves saying, Hey, I'm pretty good. I think I need to get out there. And then yeah. you end up missing out on an aspect of your life that when, when I look back at high school, and it was, I had, that's when I had fun time with my friends and, and, and we didn't win a state championships by any means, but man, that's when we had fun. Yeah. And I think these kids really miss out on that. And they also miss out on the, the ability to be a two sport athlete. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, and that's what I worry about too, is that the pursuit of that dream of playing at the next level. And that's what a lot of places sell is like, Hey, we're going to give you the highest level of competition. You know, if you pay this fee and join this club and give up this, you're going to have your best chance of making it. And everybody wants that best chance. And so it's, it, it ties into this, this innate urge from a parent to give, you know, give your kid every opportunity. Right. And so then that leads down a path of, giving up some of these sports. And that's what I, I'm with you hundred percent on that. I, that's what I really worry about. That's what I worry about with our, you know, our daughters just made it into a national league. And that's, I really worry about that because I look at, uh, you know, my daughter right now is a freshman. She plays, she's going to play three different sports this year. Um, and I just worry that she's going to miss out on that high school experience. And I, and I still see a lot of value in that high school experience. If, if she were to, you know, move on to some, you know, higher level of club because I just don't think it's possible to have those two coincide together. I just, the schedules don't work out. You know, if we lived in the same town as the club, maybe it might make a little more sense, but it's really tough to do. And then you worry about overtraining and, you know, you're trying to do multiple things at the same time. I just, it's frustrating because I want, I'm with you. I want to see the high school experience lived out, but then I also want to try to help, you know, her, attain her goals, whatever that is. And then when I see that, you know, 62% of women soccer players are specialized by age 12, I'm like, son of a gun. <laughs> you know, it's like, dang it. Like, I sh maybe she can't play soccer or, you know, play high school hockey or run cross country or whatever it is. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's just frustrating. I don't know what the right answer is. Yeah, I had a... And I don't, that's the, the beauty of it. There isn't. I had a, a beer. My daughter was playing tennis with uh, orthopedic surgeon's daughter. And I had a beer with him. And uh, I listened. He talked. I'm going to be honest. I didn't have a lot to add <laughs> to the conversation. But his theory on sport was unbelievable because that's who he treats, you know, athletes, the Packers, the NFL. And it was based on, you know, in football, you shouldn't play tackle football to your, he thought, a junior year. Your brain structure is not, you're not developed yet. Your bones, your your body isn't there. He said, uh, hockey was a freshman year, um, you know, hmm. basketball, of course, there's there, you know, you're not doing the abuse to your body, but it was very interesting. And then on the other side, his son was playing in Toronto. Um, I think as like an eighth grader. So <laughs> it, it, 
in playing hockey, he played all over the world. He was really good, but it, it kind of was, and I just said, wasn't that kind of condescending? He said, absolutely. He goes, uh, you know, I've given my son the opportunity to do this, but in the grand scheme of it, is it right? He said, probably not because of the, the body and the long terms effects, which for anybody that has played high school football or even college football, you, you know, you, you feel, you feel it a little more in the morning. You, you, you drag yeah. yourself out of bed some days and it hurts. Yeah. And you you wonder, you know, but I mean, it, to me, to look back, I wouldn't give any of it up. I, I didn't, you know, let me tell you, my soccer prowess wasn't, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't knocking the ball around from 30 yards. I mean, I was more <laughs> of a goalie with my speed. Yeah. And, and I've often wondered about the same thing. Like, um, you know, I, I never had, I never had a concussion that I know of in when I played and I played uh, college football, and then I played semi-pro, which, you know, basically is like bar league for the most part. I mean, you get like a weird, you get like a weird mix of guys that have never played, and then we have like ex-packers, and it's like, that's a weird mix. I'm not going to lie. But I never, that I know of, had a concussion, and I actually attribute that to my high school did not have any sports, so we did, I didn't play college football and or play football. I didn't strap a helmet and pads on until I walked on at UWSB. And so, for me, my brain was fully developed. I was 20 at the time. So I kind of feel like that attributed to why I never, and I got laid out <laughs> quite a few times as a receiver and I never had a concussion. And I always thought, I wonder if that had a role in it because my brain was fully developed. And I do think that there's some concern about kids knocking heads at, at too young of an age um, that, you know, I don't know if we know enough about the brain to know exactly when the right date is, but I don't know if he's wrong. Well, and that's, you know, and you say that, it makes absolute sense. And it even starts with, you got, you watch the Little League World Series and the kid's 12 years old and he's throwing 80 pitches and 40 of them are curveballs. I mean, right. And then they have Tommy John surgery when they're 18. I mean, it's, it's exactly what is the, the, the drive for that? And you watch the fans and everybody's super excited where they got their fat heads and they got their son's name on their shirt and they're praying little Tommy does great. But at the end of the day, one of those kids makes it to the pros every third year. Right. So, and, you know, um, colleges don't offer money. Like, they, I mean, take out big-time football and big-time basketball, but, I mean, the best soccer players get half their education paid for. Right. Um, you know, so the that's where I look at and say, you know, maybe you're better off doing two sports and three sports and enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's that's right. I, I'm I'm not sure because then all of a sudden you'll get this person like the conversation I have with my my daughter, and she really, you know, full transparency. My daughter really wants to play at a uh, at a higher high level of soccer in college, and I want to support that as much as possible. And and sometimes I feel like I'm actually trying to discourage her. <laughs> I'm like, are you sure you don't just want to play Division three? And I'm like, it was really good for mom. <laughs> And it's like she, she met. Look at who she met. Yeah, you know, look at how good it worked out for her. All of this. So you know, I just I. But at the same time, she's like right now, like no, I just want to commit to soccer and I want to I want to go all out on it. And I'm like, you know, maybe that's the right play. Maybe that's maybe that is what what it is that is going to be good for her. But on the flip side, I I just worry that you know when I read about all these things with multi-sport athletes and one of the biggest things with specialization is kids tend to burn out. And I worry that she thinks that like this is the only path for her is that she dives all into soccer, 
and doesn't do anything else that she's going to burn out. Cause I've seen that happen with so many kids. And, and then there's the over-specialization that you just talked about, you know, your friend, when you end up having, uh, you know, you're just playing the same sport over and over, you end up getting these injuries and you see this rise in women's having multiple ACL injuries by the time they graduate high school. And I just, I, to me, there's gotta be some correlation there in, in my mind, but I don't know. That's the things that I, I worry about. Like I, I understand, I, I, I like the drive. I like the fact that she really wants to do stuff with some, some of those things, but at the same time, like as an older person, I'm like, I'm hoping I have a little more wisdom on this situation than maybe she does at a, a young age. And it's like, how do you, how do you blend the two? Right. You know, and the third, the third thing that we of the two sport athletes, the high school versus high school. And I think that's truly the only way to play it. And you get in these smaller communities that don't have clubs unless you travel. Right. So they all end up playing, you know, they play football and then they play track and then they might play like summer baseball. So everything's got a time limit on it. And I think you wonder if the, the world goes back to that. I think everybody, you know, I, I, it never will. But you wonder if that's the the happiest of these kids, because yeah. once the once you lose your last football game or, or one team wins it all, um the next day, these kids literally go, they turn in their pads, they go get their basketball cleats on, and then they're a basketball team. Right. And they, they don't train outside because they don't have time, you know, unless it's specialized on a weekend or something, but they're constantly in shape. Um, so you wonder if that's the, the happiness, like back in our day, or is that just a drain on the body too because you're never giving your chance, uh, a body a chance to recover? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. Like, and then I, again, I'd be curious to hear what you know other people's experiences are, or what they what they've run into. Because I just, you know, what, what I'm starting to learn from it, and just talking to you about it, and talking to other people about it, is nobody has the right answer, right? Nobody's like, this is what the, this is what the the data shows us. There's pros and cons to both. There's, um, you know, there's there's things that are good about specialization. There's things that are bad about it, and it's. And there's no right or wrong answer. Uh, you know, I think if you navigate each one correctly, I think they can both be really good for kids. Um, but it's, it, it kind of just depends on your situation. And that's super frustrating. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if you look, at, you look at our girls' team, you know, we're down in Indianapolis sitting around in the lobby um, talking because we've been promoted to the National League. So we've made it to the pinnacle so far until they come up with another level because that seems to be the soccer way. But we've kind of made it to the pinnacle of the the National League where our, we take our team and we go to Texas and possibly Florida. You play three games in a weekend and you come home. And the conversation isn't about excitement and, and all this. It's the parents going one, how are we going to pull this off? And then there's half the parents that are going, well, wait a second here. My daughter plays basketball, hockey, you know, or a second sport. Right. Are they willing? So it brings in another notion of parents and trying to, it's almost like you're trying to sell somebody. Well, hey, you know, this is the best opportunity for your kid. Why don't you give up the other sport and just do what the soccer thing? Because that's what I, that's all we do. Right. And it's, it just gets so sticky and it, it causes issues because 
do you go then to the National League without maybe three players that were a huge part in getting us there? So now I'm going right. to spend $7,000 to fly to Florida and, and Texas, and now I don't have three players on the field. Now we lose by 10 every game. Well, right. No, thank you. Right. Yeah, and then the other thing that I'm curious about when, when I'm having never gone through it is, you know, I'm assuming you're going to end up having to recruit them. So the team that you end up taking is, to your point, is not really the same team that got you there uh, because some people will play or not play for varying reasons. Um, and, yeah, so it's, it's just interesting as it moves up the, up, the, up, the, up the rankings, I guess. Yeah, and I think uh, as much as we want to get mad at somebody for not doing what we want them to do, it's our society today, we, I think you got to just let it happen and see what happens. And maybe it's not for, you know, it's not for teams to do that. Maybe it's, it's hard to say, but you just keep playing at the level you're at and it's yeah. what it is. We're still only, I mean, for our team, we're 14 years old. Right. Um, right. You know, what we saw this weekend was this, you the O sixes were juniors that they were indoors. They were getting the looks of the, the colleges as they should, you know, nobody cares about 14 year old freshmen right now. So, it's an interesting time. It's interesting. Yeah. Everything is interesting that we deal with. You know, you having two girls, you know, we don't, you, then you look at, I have one tennis player and one soccer player. So you look at the stats and it was 66% of ten, tennis players specialized only on tennis. Right. And 55% are, or 62 are soccer. So right. we're already behind the eight ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and, you know, by the statistics, they would say that you probably should be, and those were all Division One, by the way, not not any other uh, level. Um, but in, 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 in anecdotally, or anecdotally, however you say that, we, we looked into, like, Division Three soccer players, and we started looking at their biographies, and almost every one of them was multi-sport athlete. When I, and then I went just for fun. I looked at the Badgers soccer team, women's soccer team, and there was two that were multi-sport athletes. All of them played ECLNL, and they were all like, you know, specialized uh, in just soccer. And I don't know, it's just it's just interesting. I like, it's almost like the price you if you really want to play Division One. And it, again, I know you can do it doing a monthly sport athlete, but it seems like a lot of people, the majority bears out that they specialize. And I don't know how I feel about it. So, well, you just mentioned ECLNL. That's another soccer league that travels to more events mm -hmm. is what I'm, you know, they, they do more on a grander scale. So they might, they're, they're national travel all the time and they're doing showcases in Vegas and Texas right. and California. So if what we're saying is 62% have become elite soccer stars or are specialized, the, the path that is written down for us is for you to drive your daughter to Milwaukee three times a week, take ECNL, throw <laughs> 10 times what you're doing now at it, fly all over the country, and then pray to God. Awesome. Great. That's a great, great, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and there are, there are a lot of people that do it. Yeah. I don't blame them one bit. It is what it is. You know, everybody's got to do their thing. It just, and this is where the fun of our podcast is that goes back to last year. I think there's a lot of promises being made and yep. people are throwing a lot of money at this. And the only people you talk about or that we talk about as a society are the ones that did it. Right. You know, 
there's 16 girls on a team, and let's say two go on to big-time colleges, there were still 14 girls that made the, the effort. And the same commitment that paid the same amount and, and didn't get it. Every, and didn't get it. So yeah. if you ask them, was it worth it, those would be the questions. You know, and, and we talked about on the way down, like we were in Indy, it was 22 degrees, and we were freezing, and someone, someone asked me back today at work, it's like, wow, you know, did your daughter have fun? I'm like, of course she did. Right. right. We drove to Indianapolis. They got to play teams from Michigan and Indy. We had hotel time. We were throwing axes. I mean, it was, it's like a kid's dream. Yeah. No, I, and that's just it. And I think that's the part that, that that's beneficial. Um, yeah. I don't know. Did we solve anything here? Not at all. I think um, that's the beauty. But we are, you know, <laughs> and you brought it up this week when we were talking is getting, a, getting an athlete or, um, not that we're not athletes, you know what I'm saying? But getting a present day athlete, um, that, you know, you had mentioned someone from your high school that where you work and, you know, maybe we can throw stuff at them or what they're going through today. Cause you know, our time has come yeah. and passed of the things we did. So maybe trying to get somebody today that can answer what they're doing. Are they doing club in high school and how does it conflict and how has it been a problem? And not, I'm not talking that it's easy to get the top kid because the top kid, you know, might miss a couple practices and it doesn't affect playing time, but it might be fun to get a kid that is working his tail off, but he's got to walk that fine line because it does affect everything he does. Yeah. No. And I, I think we're definitely going to do that. And I think after you and I discussed it, we would love to. So anybody out there listening, you have a, a, a student that's kind of going through it. Um, hit us up in the email. That'll be in the, the show notes, uh, judging bouncing balls at gmail.com. Um, we would love to maybe sit down and, and have a discussion. We'll send some questions and uh, kind of get to know the, the athlete and see what, what their experience has been because we're coming at this from a distance of a parent. Uh, it'd be nice to hear directly from a student or athlete that's right in the midst of it. Yeah, but our kids aren't there yet to really to fight that battle. So that would be fun to do. Yeah, agreed. Anything else on the this topic that we want to we want to discuss? Uh, you know, on the two sport athlete, uh, I think it's gonna, it's never gonna be solved. I think, uh, you know, you look at one of the things I, I, I look at, um, that's very interesting. You take, uh, March Madness, mm -hmm. 64 basketball teams make March Madness. And there's always that one team that makes a run that nobody talks about. Um, and it's because they have five seniors. They have yeah. five players that play together the whole time. And you wonder how good communities would be and teams would be if you had that. I know Bayport had two, uh, two of their excellent soccer players uh, that didn't play varsity their senior year. Yeah. They went and played club. And Bayport made a run. They got beaten, I think, in the second or third round of playoffs. But what could they have done if they'd have had everybody? Right. And, you, you know, and, and, the, and the what ifs will always be. But uh, I think there's something to playing with your friends. I think there's something to multiple things. And if you can play multiple sport at high school, I think it's a better thing. But I think coaches have to talk also. I think yeah. people can't get pig-headed and say, oh, my, my sport's the best. Cause I think it'll, kids will quit sports so fast, especially today's age. They just they don't want the, the drama. They don't want the, the pissing and moaning, so they'll just shut it down. Yeah, and, that's, and I think my closing thoughts on this is I would, I would echo the same thing. I think if, if it, it, I really would like to see coaches work together a little bit better, and I – I think it's easy for the high school coaches to be like, ah, those stupid club coaches. And the club coaches like, ah, oh, those stupid high school coaches. It's like, but I, I do think that there's a way for this, these things to blend together and work. And I, 
and I would like to see coaches ed, uh, uh, acknowledge the benefits of multi-sport because I do think that there's like let's just say you're playing volleyball well you're you probably learn really good communication you learn spatial awareness you learn how to judge a ball in the air I mean there's a lot of things that can be beneficial to developing players by playing multi-sport and it's not always just about grinding on that one sport but I do understand it I understand why they why 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 coaches and clubs want to specialize in certain things it's just I would love to see there be a little bit more harmony uh, and a little more acceptance when, when kids do try to play, you know, back and forth between multi-sport, because I think in the end, uh, you're exactly correct. And this is what my daughter ran into. She's like, man, if they're going to give me grief for not, you know, for missing one thing here, but I'm trying to balance two sports, she's like, I'll just drop it. And so the, from that the one sports perspective, it's like, do you want her 95% of the time where she misses a little bit? Or do you just not want to have her at all? Well, right. And I will say that uh, our executive director of our soccer club got a, I talked to him this weekend and he listened to our, our last podcast and, uh, and he was very grateful for it because he said that's one of the issues that clubs face. But his big topic was if people took the time to talk to the club and say, here's my story, here's what I'm looking to do and here's that and be very open about it he feels that there's a way for everything to work out. The problem yeah. is, as parents, we just, we gripe behind closed doors. Right. We shut things down in a hurry. And I think if you, and this is, this is the vast problem with our society's communication, where if we went to the high school coach said, here's what we're looking at doing. And then the club, and here's what we're looking at doing. Is there a way to make it work? And if there isn't, they'll tell you. And I right. think, and if there is, I, I think there's a communication gap there that, that will mend some of it. I think a lot of it is still very much if you don't come, you're out type of deal. <laughs> yeah. But that's also their their right to do. They're trying to build a championship at all levels. Yeah. Yeah. But, so we'll see. Who knows? We'll see how it keeps the how it keeps the progressing from here. You know, I got one thing left to talk about here that we are going through a transition with our coach. Our coach has gotten us to this level. He will coach us at regionals, but Coach Sean has been fantastic for our girls, for our parents. He's, we're now national because of him. But as he, he is going to turn us to another coach. And as we saw this weekend in our game against the Michigan Stars, their coach had an accent. It was not like you, it was not from the South. It was not from the UP. It was foreign. And I, Got a little googly-eyed. I'll be honest. I'm like, that guy knows sport. Are you kidding me? He, the way he fluently said words in his accent, I'm like, how do we not get this guy? I don't even know if he knows what he's doing. Didn't matter. The guy was a genius because he spoke in, like, an English accent. There is something about an English accent when it comes to soccer. It just feels right. I don't know what it is, but it just feels <laughs> It feels correct, and I'm I'm 100% with you. If you if we can get a guy with a Scottish or maybe or, or sorry English or maybe um, Irish, oh man! I mean, I think I think that takes us from here to here. I think it's a one goal advantage. You know, our coach had had an accent, Middle Eastern, true, um, which got us here. Let's right. be honest. And maybe now that he steps down, maybe we need to go English. 
or Scottish. I'd take Scottish. What yeah. the heck? Throw it out there. It'd be awesome. I don't speak like that. I don't even pretend because I'm terrible at it. Right. But I've traveled over there, and they, it's like they know soccer. It's like they invented it. Yeah, there's just something about the English accent. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I think we got to find somebody with an accent. So I think we need to get to the club and say, listen, you know, I, I get all the strategy, X's and O's, whatever. That's all important. I think right on there, it should be accent. What accent does this person yeah. have? It's got to be there. Start start with the accent and then ask them what they know. Who needs somebody with a bloody, a bloody accent? Bloody English accent. <laughs> I mean, in those matter of two seconds, I'm like, when did he learn how to coach soccer? <laughs> I think it's. I think that's. I think that's got to be number one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will. Uh, well, I'm hoping everybody listens because I think we could get, if we could get some of our listeners that are from the foreign land, to maybe, you know, well, our goal is we're going to be part of Rexham next year. I think me and you. I think we haven't reached out yet, but I was really going to reach out to them and say, hey, we are willing to come broadcast your games. Blah blah blah. But that's in Wales and we could find a, a, a whaley guy to come here. I mean, I don't know if they're called whaleys, but maybe they're called Welsh, Welsh whaleys. Um, I'm going to call them whaleys because that's a way better word. The Welsh is kind of, bleh. but the whaleys. Right. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, I, you know, I think obviously that is our next step. Obviously I think we're going to have to be uh, broadcasting for the Wrexham dragons. So yeah, I, I'm with you. That's got to happen. This time next year. I mean, their their season starts. Isn't it going on right now? Maybe by next year, twenty twenty three. It's got to be our job. Yeah, you can't go halfway into yeah. it. That would be odd. Be try weird. to introduce ourselves. Um, but I, we had that. We we were doing a broadcast for uh, one of our games, and somebody reached out about doing a high school football game for our broadcast. I'd go. I'd. We need per diem in a hotel room. Yeah. And not. We need, each need our own hotel room. That's that's. We're pretty big now. This <laughs> is. Obviously, and the Perdian buys the. It's gonna buy some beer. Let's be honest. <laughs> right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm totally with you. I think uh, yeah, I guess that's where it's gotta be. And if you haven't watched uh, Wrexham, uh, it's a really good show. Uh, excellent first season. We're not getting paid for that either. So yeah, yeah, we're not. But I, I, I hope we're, I hope we're on there next year. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we're gonna try. We're gonna make some phone calls, and I don't know anybody, but I'm gonna pretend and. Maybe I'll speak with an English accent, you know, guide us in there. And then when we get there, we'll be like, just kidding. We're from Wisconsin. <laughs> hey? We say A hey and Erno and, uh, you know, how you betcha. Erno. I think we've solved it. I think that's what it needs to be. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think by, by next week, everybody uh, in the club hopefully listens and they take note. I mean, this is it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I think obviously we've established that we have the best ideas too. So, you know, we, well, to... we got a podcast. That pretty much means we're in charge. That's right. What else do you need? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that was fun. That was fun. Anything else that we should uh, we should cover before we wrap this baby up? No, um, I will say it's the the feedback's been great from you know a lot of people in our club that are listening and, and and coming up with great ideas. If uh, if you got an idea that you'd like us to expunge on, uh, please email the show. 
Um, and just let us know. We have one coming up uh, about refs uh, with travel parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the fun ones we came up Friday night, uh, the topic is just if I were a coach, because everybody seems to feel they're a coach and everybody feels they can sit up on the sidelines and be like, well, if I do this, I watched the USA soccer game today and I'd be like, oh, I totally did something different. We'd have beat the whaleys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's pretty apparent. Our strategy, our, our, our strategy is, you know, next level. And as parents, of course, we know everything. So, I mean, we're paying. So yeah. it pretty much means we know stuff. Yes. So, uh, yeah, if you, have, if you have things that you would be interested in, and again, if you do have an athlete that is maybe wanting to get interested or to get it interviewed and, uh, maybe sharpen their skills for that next level when they're going to be interviewed by the, the press. Um, have them reach out to us. We'd love to, to sit down. That's something we'd like to add it into this. You know, this is about youth sports. Uh, coaches and athletes, we'd like to interview those. And maybe we'll even interview some, D, you know, DOCs or some presidents of uh, clubs as well. That could be kind of cool just to get their perspective on some of the topics that we're broaching. So, uh, yeah, shoot us at uh, judgingbouncingballs.com. And also, this week we just started a – Twitter page. So that's going to be the JBB uh, underscore podcast uh, at Twitter. And then we also have judging bouncing balls on Instagram. Um, and then we also have our Facebook page. So if you want to follow us on the, uh, on the social medias, uh, we have our presence known there as well. And we'd love to hear from you there. Uh, join the conversation. We're also going to start trying to post some things about, you know, like if we see a, a cool youth sport video or we see something that's, you know, kind of a neat story. Um, you know, I'm probably going to share out the ones about the multi-sport athletes tonight. So follow those. Uh, there's, there's some good stuff that you can see there and, uh, you know, keep tabs on, on what we're up to. Excellent. Awesome. No, that's fantastic. Very cool. Tobe, thank you. Have an awesome night. Yeah, you too. We will, uh, we will be in touch. Sounds good. All right, man. Thanks.